Well, good morning, everyone. I thank you for having me here this morning. One of the joys I have as a preacher is the uh, the blessing of a- being able to travel around the Bay Area and see what's going on in different congregations. So already this year I have visited Modesto and Alameda and Napa and Palo Alto and Sonoma and maybe a couple of others as well. So it's my joy and my pleasure to be here this morning to share God's word with you and find out what's uh, happening in your midst, what's going on here. I will be here for this morning and for the next three Sundays as well. So thank you for having me. I had a lovely drive down this morning from Santa Rosa. I started in thick fog and ended up in bright sunshine. Um, I, I know a lot of people say they really care about this congregation and that it's really important to be here. But just remember, I drove two hours to get here this morning, so I have a real commitment to be here. So I thank you for having me. This morning we're going to be looking at Jonah chapter 1. As to the next few weeks, we move through the book of Jonah. I'm going to read for us Jonah chapter 1. The entire first chapter of the book of Jonah. Jonah 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us, and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea in the land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, at this, the men were greatly 
At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. The book of Jonah is worthy to be studied throughout our lives. Many of us first encountered the book of Jonah in Sunday school. We had the opportunity again to look at it later on in life as we became young adults and again as adults. In fact, there's so much in the book of Jonah that probably we could study it our entire lives and continue to get more out of it. Unfortunately, the book of Jonah has gotten a bad rap from some people because they've encountered it in Sunday school and that's all they know about it. And they think, oh yeah, the book of Jonah, that's, that's some guy who got swallowed by a whale, right? Well, that's the Sunday school version of the book of Jonah. But the book of Jonah is worthy to be studied our whole lives because it represents great literature and is worthy to be studied as much as any Shakespearean play or any other work of great literature. Over the next four weeks, we'll be looking at the four chapters of the book of Jonah. And we will see that the book is very carefully structured. It's structured in a way that shows that the creator of the book of Jonah put a lot of time and effort into not only what was being said, but how it's being said in the book of Jonah. So the book of Jonah is like a large poem with each word and each phrase carefully put in place. We will see over the coming weeks that the book of Jonah is very balanced. The first half of the book, chapters 1 and 2, are carefully balanced against the second half of the book, chapters 3 and 4. And not only that, but within those two halves, each of those is perfectly balanced. Chapter 1 balances against chapter 2. Chapter 3 balances against chapter 4. So we have to be very careful to read what we are reading and investigate what exactly is that's being said and how it is being shared with us. It begins, of course, as we read, with a call to Jonah. Now, who is Jonah? How do we encounter Jonah? What do we know about Jonah? Well, unfortunately, as we be in the book of Jonah, we know nothing about him. Jonah, we know his name. He's the son of Amittai, which is great if you happen to know who Amittai is. But unfortunately, the historical records have lost any information about who Amittai is. So we know Jonah, we know the name of his father, but we also know that he is called by God to share a message. That's all we know about Jonah as we begin this book. He's called to share a message with the people of Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was the enemy of the Israelites. Jonah was a man of God, one of the Israelites a descendant of Abraham, one of the twelve tribes. So all of the promises of God and all of the covenants of God were operative in him and his life. At the time, the people of Israel were subjugated under the authority of the Syrian Empire. And now Jonah was being asked to travel to Nineveh, a large city in Assyria, the enemy, to preach against it, to tell them that their sins had come up before the Lord and God was threatening to destroy them. 
a daunting task for anybody to go and preach against the disobedience of others. Unfortunately, instead of being obedient, Jonah ran the opposite direction. It would be almost like if one of us had been told to go up to Canada and instead we headed down to Mexico. Or we were told to go down to Mexico and instead we headed to Canada. It's made very clear in the original Hebrew. God called Jonah to arise, go up to Nineveh. But instead, Jonah descended. He went down to Joppa went down into the hold of a ship and descended into sleep. God said, go up, up, up. Jonah went down, down, down. He couldn't have been more disobedient in what he did. Nevertheless, Jonah is a prophet, one of God's people, a man for whom special blessings are available a man in a community of peculiar, specific people that God has called to come out of the world to be obedient so that God can use Abraham and Abraham's descendants to bring a Savior into the world for you and me. And yet Jonah responds with disobedience. The disobedience is made particularly clear in comparison between Jonah and the sailors that he encounters in the boat. As we read, a large storm came up on the sea and threatened the sailors. They feared for their lives. These sailors were not traveling around in bayliners or modern boats. These were old, rickety craft made from whatever lumber was available to put together Each one of the sailors likely knew somebody who had drowned as a result of going out in the ocean and never coming back. Maybe some of these sailors had actually survived a shipwreck at some point in their lives. They knew how dangerous it was out in the ocean, and they were afraid. They were particularly afraid when this great storm came up. They were so afraid that they cried out to each of their own gods. At the time, many people had very specific gods. My God is the God of that hill. My God is the God of that tree. My God is the God of this particular region. And so they cried out to their gods, hoping to be saved, hoping to be rescued from the calamity that had befallen them. Nothing helped. Nothing worked. They woke up Jonah, who had gone below and who had fallen asleep who didn't seem to care about the situation, and said, What's going on? Why don't you cry out to your God? Who are you? Who are you from? What is taking place? Very matter of fact, Jonah explained to them, What's happening to you is because of me. Because of my disobedience and going the wrong way. And what God do you serve? Jonah said, Well, I happen to serve the God the creator of the land and the sea. This really terrified the people. Because if God could create the land and create the sea, he could control it. And if God could control the sea, what was happening to them? 
was a dire emergency, something that they would not survive because of Jonah's disobedience. They said, what must we do? And as we read, Jonah said, throw me into the ocean and that will calm down. But the sailors did not do that, which makes a striking, striking comparison between Jonah on the one hand and the sailors on the other. You see, back then, sailors had a bit of a reputation, a reputation for maybe drinking too much, carousing. Many of the sailors may have gone to sea because they were running away from something at home and they were trying to find themselves. They were one step ahead of the law. They had a reputation, a little bit like maybe sailors do today. Who was it who cried out? Who was it who said, let's pray? It wasn't godly Jonah. It wasn't one of God's people. It was the ungodly sailors. Who was it that investigated to try to figure out what was going wrong? It was the sailors. Who was it who found out that when Jonah explained to them that he was served the God of the land and the dry sea, the creator of all, who was it that cried out to the Lord our God? It wasn't Jonah. It was the sailors. And even when the sailors knew that they had to do the right thing by casting Jonah into the water, they didn't want to do it and they tried once again to row. But it didn't help. And who was it that confessed their sins to God, the Lord our God, who asked for forgiveness for taking the life of an innocent man? It was the sailors, not Jonah. What an incredible comparison. We see that Jonah was not just somebody who was mistaken. Not somebody who just needed a little bit more education. We see Jonah as somebody who was being disobedient as far as he could possibly be. Disobedient to God in not obeying the command of God to go to Nineveh. But also disobedient to who he was as a person and the nation to which he belonged. Somebody who would not reach out to God, who would not confess sin, who would not do what was right. As we read, the sailors picked up Jonah, cast him into the sea, and the sea grew calm. The sailors offered vows to God confessed their sins. And through Jonah and his bumbling disobedience, still was able to reach out beyond himself and make God known to the nations. A bit of a foreshadowing of what God would do through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who came into the world to save his own, but to reach out as well. And Jonah, well, he was swallowed by a great fish. God responded. God could have said rightly so to Jonah, just go your own way. If you're not going to be obedient to me, you just go your own way and I will forget about you. But God didn't do that. Because our God is faithful. Our God is faithful to his people. 
And this is a promise and this is a blessing that we can claim and we can rest in and be assured of. It gives us great hope that no matter how disobedient we have been in the past, no matter what mistakes we have made, God is still there. God's unconditional love is so great that no matter what we have done or where we have been, God still abides with us and wants what's best for us. It's also important to note in Jonah chapter 1 that God's will will be done. God didn't come up with an idea and it didn't work out and so he said, well, let's not do that anymore. I tried and it didn't work. What God plans, God carries out. What God promises, he is faithful. So you and me, our families, our church communities, we can rest in God's promises that what will be done will be done because God is in control. So what's going to take place in the story? Where's, where's the story headed? Well, as we come to the end of Jonah chapter 1, we're, we're left to wonder. Looks like it's going to be a good story because Jonah was awfully disobedient. Tremendous drama of God telling Jonah to go one way and Jonah went the other way. What's going to happen? Well, we have a hint because we know God is in control. People will not stop God's plans, even through disobedience. No matter who the individual is or what the disobedience is, it will not thwart God's plans. History is about God's work in our world. And God will do His work in His world, in His way, regardless of how we respond to it. Even prophets are people. We look at Jonah and say, what kind of prophet is this? What, what kind of man is this? kind of gives me a little bit of hope that, you know, we can make mistakes and and still be important and useful in God's eyes. But as we look through the book of Jonah and as we proceed through it, we will see that the theme of the entire book is Jonah chapter 2, verse 9, the end of that verse. Salvation comes from the Lord. Salvation comes from the Lord. You see, the book of Jonah is not about a great fish. It's not about a man who got swallowed up and was down inside a great fish for three days. The book of Jonah is about the Lord our God as every passage of Scripture is. It's not about us. It's not about individuals. It's not about experiences. It's the great declarations of who God is. The declaration of the book of Jonah is salvation comes from the Lord. What's going to happen to Jonah? He's in the belly of a fish. Well, salvation, if it's to come to him, will come from the Lord. What's to happen of the sailors who turned their lives around because of this chance encounter with this unfaithful prophet? Salvation comes from the Lord. And what will happen to the people of Nineveh, this great city whose wickedness has come up before God? 
whose wickedness has been so great that God has threatened to destroy the city, salvation comes from the Lord. And so we realize that each and every day of our lives, salvation comes from the Lord. Whether it be our eternal salvation in our relationship with God, that's not our doing. That comes from the Lord. But also whatever difficulties we find in our week this week, whether they be financial difficulties, health difficulties, relationship problems, whatever difficulties we find ourselves in, we can rest assured that salvation comes from the Lord. Salvation comes from the Lord. Let's pray together. Oh Lord our God, we thank you that you have called us to be your people. <coughs> we pray that you would remind us that our salvation is not in our own hands. It's not of our own doing, but it's you who called us. Help us as we go through this week to look to you for our strength and our guidance. Help us to realize that whatever situation we find ourselves in, that you are the one who will go through it with us. And thank you, Lord, that you do not give, on, give up on us regardless of the mistakes we make or the disobedience we show. But that you love us. And that's how great your love is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.